Hey everyone, welcome to the Young Ambiguous podcast. Today in the home studio, I have Josue Contreras, and um, he is a leather craftsman. He is a business owner and entrepreneur multiple times over, and I'm excited to have a conversation with him about a whole bunch of stuff, leather, life, business. It's going to be great. Uh, so welcome to the, the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Glad yeah. to be here, man. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. So I met you at Athete. You had a shop in downtown Melbourne, um, and it was a really cool shop. You had all kinds of leather goods that I found out you made by hand, and you had a lot of American brands and everything. So what was kind of the inspiration? How did you just like get to that point to opening a shop in downtown melbourne that's the yeah well i had a partner back then and we were both working together on leather like three years previous of 2000 i believe it was 17 when we opened the shop oh. and uh but we were working on leather a lot and most of our our revenue our main business was to sell to online and sell to other uh boutiques or or shops like the one we had in melbourne and then we were looking around and we didn't have a, a a shop like that there is a movement right now of american made and fair uh, trade uh, goods yeah and it's mostly on the bigger cities like new york uh, like in manhattan you find a couple of them in brooklyn you find a few of them and austin and california all over, all the, over the place yeah. uh, portland is big into that as well but when then we look around and there was nothing like that in melbourne yeah. And we didn't rush it so much, but then uh, we moved our studio to downtown Melbourne and walking the streets, we saw the, a location on the main street and and we just asked the landlord what was the deal with it and the landlord was so sweet and and she was also very motivating and we decided just that that was the, the right time and the right place to open the the boutique. It was It's called uh, Etit. It was... Uh, Actually, it was also a boutique only for men. Wow. Which is something that we didn't have here in Melbourne either. Yeah, and usually people don't think boutique and men, you know? Yeah. So when I walked in and was like, wow, this is a really cool shop. You had shave kits, you had, you know, wallets, backpacks, briefcases, pipes, all kinds of stuff. Some knives as well and, and everything. True, yeah. we, got, we got a bunch of things. But our focus was, since we were the leather crafters, to do custom work. And mm. also showcase of products there. Yeah. And yeah, that was the bread and butter of, of the business, the that's, leather. That's cool that you said fair trade because normally like people think of coffee being mm -hmm. fair trade. So like what would a fair trade good be like for leather? Like is, what does that mean? Uh, on the leather, we didn't bring anything since um, since the leathers were actually, the leathers are 10 in America and the, and the cows were actually from um, the United States as well. So we didn't bring anything from India or Brazil, which is most of the other uh, mass production companies oh, bring okay. the leather from. The fair trade were like, we got some things, some knives, Opinel, they were from France, but they keep the traditions and also they put a lot of emphasis on the, on the humanistic value behind uh, building uh, the products. Okay. How much the employee is getting paid, where are the working yeah. conditions, and how sustainable they uh, they get their their uh, goods to make the products. Oh, like okay. the environmental impact yeah, and yeah, all those yeah. things that have to be regulated. Not just something in China from a town where our kids doing the hard labor and not getting paid for. Wow, okay, so it's like the holistic approach, that fair trade 
label yeah. can be applied to clothes and yeah, it's a, it's different a, products. It's like adding value to the products that you buy. Yeah. You buy a product and it's not just the price of the good, it's also what's behind it. It yeah. justifies the price of the items. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. So with the boutique, I understand the partner aspect and you guys were just, you know, fell into a great opportunity. But you've been working with leather for years before that. So what kind of what kind of drew you to that? Yeah, actually it was an accident as well. Like I thought I, I thought I was a dead and a dead at art and I also didn't see anybody working on leather in the longest time. So I was wow. I always thought that leather it was a extremely complicated and extremely almost un, untouchable art because you don't know where to get the heights, you don't know how to paint, how to dye the, the leather or anything like that. But one day I was w- walking on the farmer's market where I actually also have a a, res- a pizzeria there. I was walking around and I saw this old man working with a, uh, it was a alligator. They, they just hunted, <laughs> it was a alligator height. And I just started looking at him and then I saw a few wallets that he had there and, and I couldn't believe that he built them himself, that he wow. was doing them himself. He said that he has studio himself. So I like, no, I cannot believe this. So the guy, I started talking more to the guy, and the actually guy started telling me the process, showing me things. And the guy was a little older, and he was starting to have uh, health issues. So I just get as mm-hmm. much information as I could from him and, and understand those things, and I started researching about it online. And then is when I stumbled into how to get the, the wow. goods and, and, and learning. I self we we self-taught the craft but then also since now you know it's possible you start looking for advisors and there is a couple other yeah. people that does uh, leather work but they do it more for like like i don't know gun holsters like heavy duty cowboy yeah. type of leather not the ones <laughs> that we were doing yeah but they find out what we wanted to do so they were extremely eager and happy to help us Wow. Learn our craft and point us to where to go to get our, our goods and our tools as well. Wow. So That's it was awesome. It, yeah, it was a learning process of um, three years, two years of, the, of working on leather until I finally, at the third year, four year, and now I'm the skills are there. And now I'm comfortable saying that I'm a leather craftsman. Wow. Yeah. That's I'm still awesome. learning though and I still developing new techniques. But yeah. So that was a year before the shop was even like a... Two years. Two, two years, wow. Two, two years and a half or something like that. The, uh, Native Sun was f- uh, founded in 2014. Okay. And and it was more like a, a design studio. We were looking to, to figure out, like solve problems, design yeah. um, things for other companies. We were doing t-shirts. We have a... I partnered with my brother on a printing company. So we were doing gym apparel and and gym apparel uniforms for businesses and and stuff like that. Anything that has to do with uh, yeah. with signs and 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 t-shirts. But there was something there that I was always like empty. Like you, you design something, something yeah. and it, it's not a satisfaction. But then wow. we stumble into this guy, and then you start getting your first rolls of leather, the smell, the feeling, and I was like, ah, oh, I never look back into the other stuff. Wow. I actually. Uh, saw my brother the the all the equipment that I have from the t-shirt company and and wow. everything and we just work an agreement on on um how you call it like a base of 
getting some money out of there with without having to work. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. a silence partnership that is very small. Yeah, yeah. I don't like, even like consider. Yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. So I'm not even. Con- I don't even consider myself as part or owner or anything like that of his company. But we started together. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but so that's how I stumbled into the letter, and then just it's just amazing. Every time you walk into the studio. Where you have a bunch of heights sitting there, the smell is is it very is. cool. Like, and that that's what you definitely notice when you walk into a feet the first time, was all of the the leather smells, and then you're instantly drawn into like touching one and feeling the product and like really trying to engage with it, which was a really cool you know part of the the boutique was like seeing all these bags and everything and trying to figure out how you can. <clears throat> like buy one and use it every day because it's so nice yeah know? and that was a, another thing that we wanted to show like um the this shop was set up in a way that you walk in there and then you see all the products in the front you get to touch them but then I, we had a big window so that you can see yeah. the the workshop and and you can see actually how your products are being made and and there mm-hmm. is no shortcuts and and everything every product was it's not we don't do anything. I don't do anything on on big batches. Everything is like l- production of five items or less at a time. Yeah. And on top of that, we did the custom work, and they had a, the capability of saying, "Hey, I like this wallet, but I would like to to put one more pocket on this side, and we mm-hmm. will be able to deliver it." It's a service that you don't get anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. It's so boutique, was, right there. Yeah. So that was that was the cool part of of the of yeah. the boutique. Yeah, and I bought a little strap for my backpacks to hang, you know, my backpacks when I'm not using them. Was it like a like a, a straps to put them on the back of your door? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So when I went to the shop, I wanted to buy all of the stuff in there because it was so awesome. But I already have like more backpacks than I need for my laptops and all that stuff. And so I asked him to make a strap because in the shop you actually had those straps on the wall um for your display yeah that was a system that we designed to hold or 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 purses from the wall yeah and i was like i want one of those because then (laughs) i can use that um and i love it. it's hanging in my office it's great right next to my desk so that's so cool that you kind of fell into that in such a florida way you know someone's like cutting up an alligator hide and you're like whoa what are you doing that's cool yeah, it was so very cool. impressive for me because I'm not a hunter. I'm not so much out for the outdoors and just yeah. seeing the whole thing. You can definitely make up. It was an alligator. Yeah, it's just it's just like an eye open and 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 I don't know. I I felt a little a big excitement and that's I was cool. Like, yeah, you kind of just found you and you found it and it just clicked. That's how most of the time things are like. You, if you cannot force things, like you yeah. just sometimes. Like I say, like I try to to be so much into the. I that's that's one thing of being a businessman or entrepreneur. You don't know all the answers until you are doing it. So I I knew I like graphic designer. I knew I wanted to do the t-shirt company and stuff. But then there were a lot of other things that it was leaving me empty. So I was mm-hmm. I learned to say, you know, this is not a good business, and I'm not a passionate for it. So you have to learn to let go. Yeah, and you put in uh, somebody else's hands that is passionate and really likes doing that, and it will work. Yeah, and that's—I mean—that's such a good business principle is that you have to find something that you really are passionate about. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to drive yourself 
as a, like as an entrepreneur to start your own business, if you're not passionate about it, like nobody's waking you up to go, you know, to work and get the paycheck. You have to do that yourself. So yeah, of course, and uh, most people confuses passion with liking everything about your business and and like every business is like you don't gonna like every single aspect of the business but you have to for some reason find the encouragement and find the motivation to get it done anyways because it needs to get done yeah so you can continue on your passion so yeah. it is a bit different people think that oh no you're just gonna love every minute of it and yes when the business is striving and you have the 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 ability to delegate you can you can probably get there but you yeah. had to hustle it before it yeah. gets to that point and and when you're sitting there doing like quickbooks and trying to do your budget and <laughs> yeah. pay your bills like definitely the, not many people are passionate about that and if they are they're like personal cpas and you know doing all that financial yeah. stuff but that's the not so fun aspect of of business and and that's why i think people who have the creative aspect and the creative passions that's where, you know, a business is very daunting because of all of that aspect, that whole half of it is, is a lot of, you know, behind the scenes, not fun, graphic, creative designing things. It's, you know, it's just. And questions. Work. Yeah. Questions. Excel and budgets. Definitely. Um, so you are a le leather craftsman. So what, what is the benefits of leather versus like imitation or like fake leather what are some of the differences but of those well it's, uh, we could be one of them durability like okay. leather is a is a product that most of the time it don't gonna go bad like if you see on the antique uh, stores you find leather goods that are made uh, 40 i mean 70 almost a century before and they still work yeah. and half of them like they can be fixed if anything like most of the time what happens is a stitch pops and mm. those things you can just go back and restitch them by hand i actually did a lot of when on the store and i still do a lot of most of the things that i do is at repairs people come mm. to me and say oh my grandma gave me this bag oh i found this on a thrift store but i just need yeah. to do this so that's the the good thing about leather yes you pay a little more for it but it has it has the capability that if you treat it well and you take care of it normally, it will last yeah. you forever. Does imitation leather like fall apart? Usually, they made it with feelings, and I don't know much about imitation because it's just rather. I you like I say, it. when I fell in love with leather, I fell in love with leather. I didn't look at the other way to see. Ah, oh, what is what if I do a plastic? Because <laughs> it just one. Like uh, like I always say, it's, it's something with the texture, the feeling, and also the smell. Mm -hmm. If if it, like to me, it draws me to go and work on leather. I do it almost every day. Like I get wow. up and sometimes I don't even have nothing to do, but then I go there and I try to improve a technique. Oh, I want to do this uh, um, a stitch. Oh, I want to design yeah. this. Oh, what will happen if I wet the leather? Oh, what will happen if I do this? So I'm always experimenting. If it didn't have the smell that it has, I probably would not be doing it. Because it's like hmm. drinking coffee or making coffee. It smells so good yeah. that you just want to drink more or make more. Hmm. You know, that's that's the same thing with leather. That's I why don't, I didn't I don't on. drink coffee, but I can appreciate what you're saying. I, I think I, a lot of the listeners probably, will know. You probably on tea and things that have a smell is yeah, one of yeah. the senses. Anything that has a smell, the feeling, 
They, it, it's, it, it's so tied into our, our memories, too. Exactly. Smell is a powerful uh, aspect of memory. So Exactly. That's interesting. You know, because I, I, in my mind, I would say, like, leather would break down. Like, I would think it doesn't last as long as a fake leather, No, that's why. that's interesting. That's why we had a fast fashion um, thing, which is a, uh, yeah. something that is happening that is started happening big on the 80s, I believe it started, mm-hmm. which it is like you start using um, lower quality goods like plastic and, mm-hmm. and uh, cheaper threads and fillings like paper. Sometimes you buy wallets and, and they say, can you fix this? I'm like, I cannot put a, another piece of cardboard on this. This this wallet for me to even start working on it, it's, it's already... Yeah. It's, it's just you cannot fix anything like this because it's just plastic and yeah. and the value again you got it for three dollars a wallet for three dollars then it's gonna be working for like three or four months and then things will start falling apart and then yeah. it will start breaking down so that's that's just that's a fast fashion they create cheap stuff so they can sell you another one in a few months so it's a renewable uh yeah. Thing they keep making money, they keep damaging the environment, the environment, and then they keep uh, slaving these people away and overseas, you know, yeah. which is it's, not a good combination. It's a huge thing. I know there's a lot of Netflix documentaries about it, and I have some friends who are really interested in um, that whole topic of sustainable fashion and stuff. So, like when you use the word fair fair trade, I think sustainable, and I think like the holistic thing like you we talked about in the beginning is it, it has definitely a big to do with that yeah. it, it is a big thing uh, like denim is is a another thing like people buy jeans you go to outlets and you buy jeans like oh 20 jeans you got to rose you got 20 jeans 15 jeans yeah but it lasts a good amount let's say you get a jeans for a year but then people that you really is into denim, they buy uh, jeans from a company, I don't know, in Boston, a company in mm-hmm. Connecticut. There is a good one there. cannot remember the name. But those jeans literally will last you 10, 12 years. And yeah. because and then they can... Uh, it's amazing the the things that they do with the shoes, the same. There are shoemakers in the United States that they actually... Alan Edmonds is the is the company. They, is the, they use... Um, they use real leather and they 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 design and craft the shoes in Pennsylvania. I think is hmm. when they offer the old uh, service that before. If if the the most likely the only thing that is gonna go bad on your shoe is the fact that it's gonna run out of sole. Yeah. yeah. So you can actually send your shoes back and they will repair them. You just pay a small fee for the sole. They put the sole like back in the day we used to have the cobblers. They they yeah, would they fix your shoes. And one pair of shoes will get through you adult life almost. Yeah. So you, they offer the same the same uh, services that we used to have, hmm. and that's that's way more friendly on the environment. It hires people in the United States, and also yeah, and also you you learn like you build a bonding with you with your product because yeah. yeah. you pay more money, but then you love it, not just I like it. It's yeah. a difference. It's a total difference. Yeah, and that's like leans right into Marie Kondo, who's like. She's a whole like tidying person who talks about if your things give you joy or not. Because a lot of things we have, we just have them. We exactly. don't have any joy from them. They're just clogging up our lives. And so that's a way to get rid of things. So when you actually love a product, that that's a another aspect of um, living minimal. But also like you might pay $200 for a pair of shoes, but you're going to have those shoes for 
15, 20 years, and they're going to be your favorite pair of shoes for that whole time span. You wear them all the time. It's different than when you have, you know, 50 pairs of whatever because they looked cool and you barely wear them because they're not comfortable. They're this, that, and the other. So I totally, I totally hear what you're saying. That's, that's yeah, the same thought. thing. Uh, like on the minimalist living, is is that's that's why it's it's more it's a, a it's a healthier way because you actually build bond with your items, and then if you're in, it's also another way the like keep yourself in check on a budget. Like you, you, yeah. you, you decide then to invest your money into experiences or invest the money into. I don't know, a retirement and, and have a, a security rather than just buying that. Oh, they come out with these shoes. The, the only thing they change is the color, but they're the same ones that they were like three months ago. And yeah. they they itch you to go and buy more, spend more. And yeah. and, and don't think about the the economical damage that you're doing to yourself and your family and also the environmental damage. and the, Yeah, the economies of the countries and making these shoes for... Yeah, and Pennies. they think yeah they make money those those companies, but at the end of the day, it's only few that make the money by exploiting the other ones that are working for it that they yeah. don't have the good working conditions. Yeah, no, it's it's huge. Um, so I know we've talked a lot about kind of leather and kind of those things, but what what aspects of the business would you say? were really awesome like having your own shop and all of those things like meeting people explaining leather products to people like what did you really like and enjoy uh personally when you when i go into business i always one like i understand that i had to do something that i like Mm -hmm. and two i have to make a profit i i i have a rule on business and it's not my rule it's something that i learned from a long time ago from Buffett, it says like rule number one, don't lose money. <laughs> and it says and rule number two, see rule number one, if you want to <laughs> stay in business. So I always look into those aspects. So, And also I already have a, 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 a retail space like a pizzeria where I have to be there and offer my service because I'm the, actually the, the, the person that cooks and, and is mm-hmm. always in the place making the, making the goods. So I didn't want to get into a retail aspect. I was more comfortable working for days and, and being creative, yeah. understanding, oh, I want to create this product. I want to figure out how to do this. And don't get me wrong, I love talking to the people and and I love offering the service when they come to me and they give me the opportunity and working on something that they own for like years and years and they want to repair. Yeah, That's a, a great satisfaction. But when you open a retail like the one it was in downtown, you it, unless you want to pay somebody or train people to be there, you kind of have to be there you all the time. It, yeah. And that is something that I five years ago, I told myself that I wasn't going to get into that anymore mm. because at one point I owned three restaurants. So wow. I was always working <laughs> and not be able to. To have a free time. They say, okay, today I'm going to go out and play with my buddies soccer. I want to go out and play with my buddies uh, racquetball. I want to go out today and really just try to learn something new without having to be a certain place at a certain time and 
answering questions. Yeah. So I wanted to get my freedom back. So I did that for five years. Mm-hmm. And now when I look, I, I did well enough. I, I'm, I'm good. So I'm going to start seeing what things give you more joy of your life and your time. And to me, yeah. time is a big deal. Like it I is. like, I like having time for things that I like to do. I think people undervalue time so much and they undervalue their own time. And that's a problem. It is. Because that is uh, not, re- not renewable. Thing. It is. Like, it's, and it has no price. Like yeah. you, you can always make a dollar probably tomorrow. Today, if you didn't make a dollar tomorrow, you can probably go potentially make $3. Yeah. But you cannot take years out of your life. Yeah. I know for me, mm-hmm. I undervalued my time for a long, long time. I would stay at work really late. I would do all these different things that didn't really, it wasn't like I was getting paid more for those opportunities. And I'm not saying don't put in extra effort and do all those different things. Everybody, mm-hmm. you know, live your life, do your thing. But I knew, I know now looking back, there was times where I was like not valuing myself, not valuing my own time. Yeah, exactly. You know, working, working super hard. Like you were saying, you know, you're working three jobs. You have no time to actually live. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just working. And so that, um, something with Liam, my son, you know, helps me see that clearly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause he's already almost eight months in a couple of weeks. He'll be eight months old. And I'm like, you that blink. was yesterday. Yeah. You, you know blink I mean? and it's over almost a year. So, so it's, it's just one of those things where, you know, we have to value our time because no one else is going to really, you know, for the most part, unless, you know, some billionaire comes along and. Yeah. Oh, look at you. You're amazing. Here you go. Definitely. Uh, it's, it could happen, but it, I mean, you have to have something. I learned that lesson. I was so lucky. I, I learned that lesson really early in life. Like, when most of my friends, like, I work in New York from 2004 to 2010 or 11. I don't remember. I was um, a tennis instructor. In, wow. in New York, I was teaching, coaching tennis and uh, doing little clinics, mostly for kids. But the the people that were members in that club were extremely successful people. I mean, we have members like Bill Clinton would come in there. Um, Hillary Clinton would come in there. Uh, we had guests like Mike and Jordan. Uh, we have uh, tennis players uh, come, Tiger Woods, uh, celebrities. Uh, it was a, it's wow. a very high-end club. Yeah, it's a high-end. It's a thing that's ranked uh, 44 on the nation, and it's designed by one of the most famous architects of golf clubs. It's called Quicker Ridge. Wow. So I worked there for five years and teaching the kids and, and seeing their, their parents. I, I, you start seeing how the people that is well-off behave different than the people that is not well-off. And so they have, they would not miss a practice. And some of the practice were of, uh, like, I don't know, we'll start at three, and I wonder, aren't you supposed to be at work? Uh, mm-hmm. What is it that you do for a living? So they they gave me a, a it was something really easy. They, they say, look, and that was before I opened my, my first, uh, yeah. I started my first business. I was, I did that from 18 to when I was, uh, um, 22, but I was already a uh, owner of uh, my first pizza place when I was 20 years old. Wow. But I because they they opened my eyes and I was like, oh well, I want to do that. I want to be able to have a freedom where I can go to do something if I really want to do it. Wow. So what the guys told me is like, yeah, it's not easy. You have to dedicate time to do it, but you just have to be mindful about what are you gonna put every dollar. 
Mm. Because then, right now, it doesn't seem like too much. Okay, you do this. Oh, it's only twenty dollars. Tomorrow I work and I make twenty dollars. I make forty dollars a day. So it's it's okay. It's okay to yeah, just yeah. spend it. And uh, my friends were like, oh, uh, traveling, going to to different parts of the United States, everywhere. So I hold on on those first two years, mm-hmm. and I save to open my my to buy off my oh. my first pizzeria because I was like, yeah. But then eventually. I'm gonna. I don't want to have a cap. I want to be able to grow as much as I want. Yeah. And they say, look, if you if you have a m- meaningful way of seeing things, if you know before you make a dollar, where you gonna spend a dollar, it will change your ways. And like, what I mm. mean is like, look, you will go to work happier because you're gonna get an instant reward of going to work, and then at the moment you get a reward, if you understand investment rather than spending yeah it's another game because if you take a dollar and you take that dollar and put it to work for you then you, that dollar can get you two dollars and then you're gonna start making more money with less time yes yeah and i mean these people were all most of them were uh self-made millionaires because it's not cheap to get in there i believe the membership we started on a hundred and forty thousand dollars to start and you had to qualify it has a waiting list no i had to start and then it depends. A year was like <laughs> 40,000 plus whatever you use. Wow. So it was, uh, most of them spent like around more than 100,000 just to belong in the club. And Jeez. it was, it just, it just, I mean, when these people, the way they, they spend money, and it was a write off, I'm pretty sure they knew how to yeah. do those things. Yeah, they get and, the tax benefits yeah, yeah, yeah. and whatnot. Yeah, of course. But, but yeah, I was so glad that I was exposed to that life. Yeah. And all yeah. those things. And, and then, you see the other thing, um, you, they have millions and millions of dollars. Few of them were billionaires, which is a big, it's day and night. A millionaire is no, you cannot put them on the same sentence as a billionaire. It's completely different really? universe. Yeah, it's, it's a huge difference on money. And, well, yeah, for sure. Uh, so. So billionaires and millionaires don't live on the same planet. So, uh, they, and then they will have these millions and they will show up with, I don't know. Some of them will come with Toyotas, and some of them will come with the billionaires. Uh, yeah, no, the millionaires, and and the billionaires. Oh. I don't know. I I didn't know exactly who was a billionaire, millionaire, but they were like filthy rich. <laughs> so they, so they will come with these very like modest cars, and, and I was like, well, I mean, they could buy, but and then there are the other ones yeah. that they would buy the the. But they would. You see, if the guy is driving himself, you drives a Toyota, he drives a regular one. When the family came, they came on this like amazing SUVs, all security, because they actually put more emphasis on the security of the family rather than the, the, car, the yeah. looks and, and all that stuff. So that lesson really uh, helped me to get off the ground running and, and be more yeah. mindful of uh, where I put my money and had to enjoy my time more. So how many how many businesses have you owned? Because you said three pizzerias uh-huh. and there was a theat. At one point, I had three pizzerias. I sold two of them, and I only kept the original. And I just have it because, I don't know, it's something about that. It's sentimental. It's the first yeah. job I ever had in the United States. Wow. I, when I came to the United States in 2014, I started working there. And then 2018... So you saved up money to buy the place. Where I was working at. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So I, it, it took me seven years. to Seven or six years to buy it. 
So then I bought it, and because I was I was working on that pizza place while I was going to college, we only opened yeah. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and then Monday to Thursday I was in college, and then on the summers it slows down in there, so they would lay me off on the pizzeria, uh. and I would travel to New York and work from April all the way into September, August in New York. Wow, doing the so, tennis. So you had a lot of flexibility built into that kind of schedule each year. Yep, I have, I have, I've been really lucky. The way I, the reason why I got that job is because my dad was working as a maintenance in that club oh, back okay. in the day. So he, he told me about this. He, he, I did a fun interview with the, with the, <laughs> with the, the tennis director. Yeah. And he liked it. So he hired me and, uh, wow. And yeah. I, and so if my dad wasn't working there, I would have never even know about that club or get that job there. Wow. So, you know, that is uh, things of uh, being, I guess, lucky a little bit. But I took my chances. I was like, most of the... Uh, That's I, so cool. I miss. I could have started while I was in high school w- doing other things, probably helping out, like serving tables or being busboys or something like that. But yeah. because I just want to spend the summer with my buddies here, Yeah. I miss a couple years of that, which I regret, but... And to a certain extent, because things happen for a reason. You can know. Oh, you miss being like a busboy? No, I mean, being working in New York earlier. Oh, like being there oh, and being oh, exposed oh. to. You could have like done stuff with your friends here. Yeah, that's why oh, I didn't okay. go there for the first two years. Yeah. So I was, I was like, but then um, I started doing that. And then I finally bought a pizza place in here. And then two years later, I kept going back to New York. I'll have my uncles. Uh, they, my uncle used to work for me. The, and, and he <laughs> would just work for me and he would run the place while I was in New York. Wow. So we did, we did that for two years. And then when I came back, I was like, I'm going to open a restaurant. I opened a restaurant right on the main uh, 192 mm-hmm. in, in uh, Melbourne where it's um, a public shopping plaza there. So I opened a restaurant. Oh, I was okay. there for five years. And then two years down in the restaurant, I opened another one off of Aurora. Wow. Yeah, and, and then that one lasted a year. Pizzeria? Pizzeria. Everything was Italian Italian food. <laughs> yeah, because that's, that's what I learned. And, and like I said, the, the yeah. margin, the profits, and, and I like doing that. I, I yeah. actually enjoy working on there. But when you get too big, it's, it gets harder to keep control of well, things. Well, yeah, and what what did you say? Because I want to ask you kind of some business, like, mistakes or some funny stories of, like, fails and things that didn't work out. But It's never funny when you fail. Well, <laughs> no, but looking you, back now, you can. You learned, ah, I keep failing, man. I, 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 that's, uh, if you don't fail, it's because you're not in the right direction. You You mm. have to be... I mean, I totally learn more out of failures yeah. than anything else. It hurts. And really? sometimes you feel like, ah, why? Why this? And sometimes, I mean, it's these things. Well, that's the, that's the way of growing, though. Yeah. Like, if you don't find challenges and if you don't fail, it's like everything becomes so easy. And then it doesn't mean that you're never going to fail. I don't know. Most yeah. everybody fails. I mean... One way or another, how big it depends up to you. So I, <laughs> I did those True. things. I was, I was mindful about where my dollar go, how much of a risk I was gonna take, and I tried to knew the way out 
before yeah. I get into something. Okay. I was like, worst case scenario, how much am I going to lose? How much is going to cost me? And where can I live? When, where can I, yeah, when can I put get the out sets? Of it, yeah. uh-huh. That's part of being mindful. I was a little less mindful. Like uh, mindfulness also comes with experience, but I, I, but I, I always was looking things that way. So I fell a bunch of times. I I tried to open a three-dimensional printing uh, company with uh, four bodies of mine, and it didn't work out so well. I I pitched a bunch of ideas of of different types of um, like truck uh, mobile restaurants like with shipping containers mm-hmm. i i i designed a, a couple halfway working apps that i was always trying to because I, when i was going to school yeah. i was going for information system technologies oh wow so i wanted to be in the technology but i got a like i don't know it's i didn't like i lost my passion to it but I did get myself into a few projects like that, and I was always trying to do things. And I did invest money on all those things. But it was like, okay, it didn't work. But I knew when to stop. Mm-hmm. And I also, I mean, and it, not because you know when to stop, it means you're going to stop there. Sometimes you get a little greedy. Sometimes you get a little stubborn. Sometimes you get a little proud. Yeah. proud and those emotions uh, play into the equation. So, yeah, yeah. It's always like that, but I mean, out of yeah, I mean, I don't see my failures as um hundred percent bad things. I actually, yeah. you actually keep them close to your chest, and you learn how to even love them. Like yeah. like things that don't happen, you actually appreciate them too. Yeah, I've heard the the phrase, you know, obviously there's a catchphrase or whatever. It's like never take, you know, never lost, or you know, you never take an L, but the the phrase I've heard and tried to adapt into my mindset is that you never take a loss, you just learn the lesson. So if you m- fail or you make a mistake, you need to figure out like how to learn from it and move forward and not not let it destroy you and not let you like you got to get back up and keep trying, but like learn from it rather than just being like, "Oh, I lost," you know, and and kind of giving up. So Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I had hard times when I first opened, when I bought a pizza place, the one that I work on for seven years, it was, uh, you know, um, easy success because I already worked there for seven years. I knew the price was right and I paid, I pay it and I, it was seamless success. Like I got so cocky, I was like, I can open every restaurant I want. I can do this and can do that. It will work because it's me. So Mm. I got a little cocky. Two years later, I saved up enough money again, and I went and invest heavy and opening that restaurant on the main street. Me, yeah. But I made bad calculations. One was the public shopping plaza, which was the main anchor, was be under construction, so there was nobody going to that shopping plaza, and the parking place and the parking space was always almost fenced, so I was paying rent without getting any traffic. Wow. So a year went by where I was. Like close to, I was just, I remember I get on the phone every so often with the landlord to say, look, can I send you some money, but please don't keep, don't lock me out of my restaurant and don't keep all my uh, equipment. Because yeah. I was, I believe it was uh, $1.15,000 behind on just rent and then a couple thousand dollars on food and employees. I didn't have any employees. I was uh, working me all the time and 
And uh, wow. and my girlfriend at the time, we, she would come and help me without getting any pay. My other staff that was on the other pizzeria, they they would come and volunteer hours just to to help. Yeah. So I did that for a year, and and I was like, oh, how can this be happening? And yeah, it was tough. But instead of throwing the tower, I was like, well, I'm gonna try to learn the most I can out of this, and it's yeah. gonna sound cliche, but I started reading books like crazy about all kinds of things, but I found out also that a big problem that I had, it was a main mind problem. I thought that it was just because I was too cocky and I make it successful. I wasn't yeah. channeling my energy properly and I wasn't, I had, I was, I had a bunch of bad habits that I didn't even know I had. Oh, wow. Like uh, exercise, at what time I'm waking up, at what time, how much am I reading? I'm not reading any, I wasn't reading that much. Mm. and so i and then the pricing on the food is different than what i already knew i needed to learn more so i started reading wow. a bunch of books and the book that really hit me and switched everything around where to at that time it was uh walking on fire by gordon ramsay oh, the wow. famous chef before he was <laughs> doing all these uh fox shows, shows and stuff he, he was i actually learned so much out of him and i actually contributed that i was able to Turn that around by his advices on that book wow. and the TV show that he had, uh, Kitchen Nightmares, but it was the you old learned. version, yeah. the one in UK. And oh, it's wow. just, uh -huh. the, so it was, it was just cool. It was my entertainment and then at the same time my motivation every other day. Yeah. I, I would read the book and then watch uh, an episode right before I went to bed and I would wake up more motivated. And then I started yeah. seeing, I have to mindfully invest every money that I make today and every energy into things that are really important for the yeah. restaurant. And it took me a year to, I turned it around in two years, I wasn't then making profit. I paid off everything that I had. I hired more employees and I cut off with everything and then I started making a uh, profit and it was day and night. My way of dealing wow. with the people and everything was very different. It's incredible. Yeah, so that's that's uh, to me that was one of the toughest times of of my businesses. And I was another thing is like I was only like 22 years old, not much of experience, and wow. and I was like ah oh, scratching, scratching everywhere that I could yeah. try to get help and 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 advice. So what would you say with all your experience now? What would you say is probably like the biggest piece of advice you would give somebody? who's thinking about starting something or is struggling or like is trying to do the entrepreneur thing, trying to start their own business, what would be an advice that you would give them? Well, I, I kind of, I ask, I have been asked a lot of, I get approached a lot by people that wants me to invest with them or open things with them or ask me this same question. And I kind of put five things that I tell them what to like, yeah. they have to, to click that I think they're a foundation for me. And now the things that I see is like the, the, the one from Buffett that I said, rule number one, don't lose money. Don't lose money. Yeah. And then see number rule number two, uh, one again. So you don't lose money. Make sure yeah. doing those things, being mindful, like how much are you willing to invest in that? How much risk you can tolerate mm -hmm. and be honest with yourself. Like, 
I found out that I didn't know anything when I was in the middle of the restaurant, but it took me a year to realize that. So I started educating myself about businesses, about customer service, about things like that. And then yeah. you figure out what it works for you. And then it's just like, don't try to compare yourself to anybody else. Because every business is different, location is different. And also if you see that somebody is yeah. doing ballsy moves, you don't know what's behind that. So you just got to focus on, mind your own business, seriously. Yeah. And just be be improving yourself rather than looking around you and and trying to improve other things. Just then take it easy. Like you you Yeah. It's like uh it's like a baseball game but without the strikes. Like you <laughs> you don't you don't have to sit there and, and hit the ball. You can you don't have a strike. Yeah, you can so just you can weigh into the perfect right pitch. Throw, yeah. uh-huh, and then you get the perfect pitch. You don't have to swing at everything you have. I like that. Yeah, because I mean, be patient, wait for the right opportunity, the right thing, and then see see how much um, risk you want to put into it. Yeah, and that was I mean that's kind of the story of your of your business career is every opportunity was a timing thing, right? So you would come into this new craft, you were with that partner at the right time, talk to the land the you know, the property owner got the the storefront you know and same with the the pizzeria you took their time and you wanted to you know save up money and buy that place so you did that you know it was a timing and kind of just letting those the pitch and everything come together so you could hit it exactly Um, it has to build up sort of organically at one point and then yeah i I also i'm guilty there were times that you want to see progress faster and you have the means, so sometimes you throw money to your problems, and that's not the right answer sometimes, because mm. you probably find mm. the answer on the short term, but not in the long term. Yeah. And yeah, I've done that also many times. I was like, ah, I need to learn accounting, or I need to learn how is this happening, but I don't want to. It's boring, so I just pay somebody it. to do it. Mm. And then you're like, roll over to the same problem, and now because you didn't learn or understood properly now it's more expensive or it's a bigger problem mm. like it could be a legal problem so i've been audited by irs and i just didn't even want to deal with it i had to hire a lawyer and my accountant to go and deal represent me because i was Listen. so nervous that i didn't even want to sit in the room wow but then i regret that i yeah, uh, because Mm, the money and most of the uh, what I regret is that I wish I know exactly what was said in that room that I probably would have get a lot of value out of being present I could have bring my I could have bring just the lawyer and the accountant and be able to sit there and just don't open my mouth but I you was so learned nervous. from them talking exactly oh wow so I was nervous and I, uh, like I reg- I wish I knew that but I really don't regret that much because I did get out of like yeah. everything went right everything was fine it's just like you know, I would think, I believe I was 23 years old. I was scared. I was like, I don't want to yeah, have anything to do with this. Yeah. <laughs> so my last question, and we can kind of wrap up with this, is um, why Brevard? Why, like, this area? You talked about, you know, having family and stuff in New York, and you have different opportunities probably all over the place. But So why did you settle down here and kind of do business here? Well, I, mm, when I was 14 and I just came from Mexico, my dad uh, 
My dad worked in a Suntry Country Club in 1993. Long time ago. My uh -huh. dad was, my dad has been an immigrant there. He's always going back and forth from Mexico to the United States, uh, crossing the border every, every year, you know. And then at one point, his life was, he almost lost his life crossing the border. So he was like, this is the last time I do that. You either follow me or else I just stay in the United States and I'm going to have to say bye to my family. Wow. And because my dad was frustrated also that every time he would bring money to uh, Mexico and to Mexico, we would try to do our uh, business or create a way of living that is sustainable. But we fell every time like it wasn't we will our businesses would not strive as we wanted. We would lose money. So my dad would have the need to always come to the come United back, States. Yeah. So he said that. So he moved us here and my dad like the area in 1993 because it was a mellow it's a good place to raise your family there's no ta no no state taxes and yeah. and it was for somebody coming new it was a good place to raise a family so then i uh, i landed here in 2001 and then i did my high school career and then uh, but i was i always was in love with the landscape like one i made my friends in the high school here and then you have beautiful like the beach and then you had a river and then nasa was still working in 2001 and then um yeah we had a crash of 2008 but the the landscape it has a lot of potential we had the yeah. space the space cost and then now we got all these other engineering companies being here so i really don't see a reason of living anytime soon yeah. i actually seen myself retiring and dying in florida wow yeah, I've been, I've been, I had a, the opportunity and to travel pretty much almost the whole United States, but I keep saying there Coming is nothing here. like here. Yeah, I live so in New interesting. York. Yeah, I live in New York for five years. I live in Houston for like four months, and then I've been in California, Arizona, all the northeast part, and and the northeast of, uh, uh, the north of California, and it's just like you look at how much the taxes you have to pay how how much harder it is the hustle the being always in a like in a race yeah. and then i'm like yeah but i don't need any of this i like to be able to relax and then also i see it yeah. it's a huge port from here to new york is sort of close from yeah. here to mexico is close from here to europe is close from here to uh, yeah, california is it's not that bad so if you look on the Western world, we're right in the middle. Almost. Yeah, we're like five. I think it's a five-hour flight to California. Probably yeah, shorter than that to Mexico. Yeah, so and three or four hours to New York. It's uh, not bad. Yeah, yeah. So if you look at it, it's like, and also the weather. That's I true. never. That's true. I know. I, I, I just this is a very personal thing. I I hate yeah. the cold weather. Flo I mean, Florida will never probably have a polar vortex. Uh, but who knows climate change is pretty pretty yeah. dang powerful yeah you can spend another couple hours debating that thing like yeah the, the climate yeah. change and all those other issues that we actually having yeah yeah but um I, I i think that'll be the day i think i think florida will be underwater before we get a polar vortex yeah i mean <laughs> Yeah, definitely. One but of those things is going to happen. Everything everything is being affected one way or another. Yeah. Like the sea level rises in one part, the, the drights in, in other places, and then... And the, super cold and exactly over. Yeah. The movement of plate tectonics plates and stuff like that. It's like everything is 
it moves it's gonna be affected one way or another but the yeah. the reason is pretty much almost the same yeah uh-huh. it always comes back to uh the humans on the planet but um Maybe we'll have an episode about that because that's <laughs> definitely something that you're interested in with yeah, well, I'm sustainable. A, I'm, a, I'm aware of it, but I'm not a scientist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, thank you so much, you know, for being here and, and doing this podcast with me, uh, this episode. I think we talked about a lot. We talked about craft, you know, goods and, and you know, sustainable business ideas and just kind of the mindset you need to have going into that stuff. Um and Brevard, I don't know what it is. I moved here. I moved here in two thousand one too, and mm. I've not really. There's only two other places I would want to live. Um. And yeah, I've where got, do you move from? I moved from Miami. Oh, okay. So yeah, my mom moved to Miami. Then we moved up here in two thousand one, when I was uh, eleven. Cool. So, you've been here for a long time. You've been here for a long time. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm. Are you? Like I was born and raised in Mexico, I, my character was built there. But I, mm-hmm. uh, I consider myself a Floridian. Yeah, me yeah. too. Well, but I love, I love, I love the New York culture. It's just really cool. I enjoy it. I go, I go to New York every year, like, and because I just enjoy seeing the vibe of the people and the yeah. energy there. It's I very need, inspiring. I sometimes. Yeah, yeah, it's very inspiring. So I, it changes my perspectives. I come to Florida, I see things a little different. Yeah. So I'm going to drop links to your businesses for people to be able to come, you know, partake in the pizzeria or um, find you online. Um, so thank you so much for being here. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Have fun. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of Young Ambiguous. If you like the episode, go ahead and hit us up on social media. We are at Young Ambiguous. Um, Young Ambig on Twitter and Instagram. And you can email us at youngambiguous at gmail.com if you want to give us some feedback. Um, share this podcast with your friends. Subscribe to it. Leave a review. Uh, or do none of that. That's fine. We just like having you listen. So thanks so much. See you later.